You are listening to True Crime Fiction, feeding your addiction to the best of the written and the spoken word in crime. If you would like to support the podcast, you can do so for as little as £1 at patreon.com slash truecrimefiction. From the Greek myths, Moses in his basket, the babes in the wood, to the green children of Woolpit, the plight and mystery of lost children runs culturally through our veins. It is one of these situations where most people will feel a pang, stirring the memory of our own children or our own experience when we found ourselves untethered from those who we knew to protect us. This is one of the reasons why the fate of the unknown bairn, Scots for Child, captured the attention of so many. Probably between two and four years old, his small body was found floating at Tayport Beach at the Firth of Tay in 1971. While this in itself is tragic, Tayport was mystified that no one came forward to claim the child, decided to hold a funeral and bury the bairn, erecting a headstone. Ian Robertson, the postman who found the body, tended his grave until he died and was buried close by. His family look after the grave still. Tayport had decided not to let the child go unremembered, and in doing so, showed a collective compassion and action that is truly touching. Many have wondered who the child belongs to, and it was seen as one of the enduring mysteries of Scotland, that is until Davy Donaldson decided to investigate. Davy is from the Scottish traveller community, as rumours had swirled for 50 years that the unknown bear was a traveller. Davy wanted to dive further into this mystery, as it did not fit with the family-focused traveller culture he knew. Davy's journey takes him around Scotland following leads from the original investigation and meeting people not interviewed before. As he does so, he comes to realise that it is likely that the unknown bairn was a traveller. However, he was not abandoned because he was not loved or cared about. He was probably abandoned because of the cruelty. The Scottish nickname for the Royal Society for Prevention of Cruelty to Children. Before social work departments came into being in the 1960s, the cruelty had responsibility to investigate child abuse. And while there was most definitely abuse that needed to be dealt with in all strata of society, travelling people themselves were considered suspects of abuse and neglect by dint of being travellers. These paternalistic and frankly racist attitudes ultimately resulted in children being taken forcibly from loving homes, split from siblings, sometimes fostered and adopted and far too often abused by those who are considered more responsible. Understandably, this caused much trauma for the children and the families left behind. This was the so-called Tinker Experiment, which aimed to strip travelling culture away and force the people into sedentary accommodation. 
This is not the only time we see this behaviour, as wherever the cold, clammy hand of colonialism has touched, we find experiments of this sort, from the forced assimilation of Australian Aboriginals to cutting First Nations people from their land and placing their children in residential schools. We see this pattern repeated across history and continents. So when in 1971 a wee boy died by accident, his family were far too scared to claim him. For the vast majority of parents, the love they feel for their children is fierce to the point of being illogical. So one can only imagine the weight of that decision and how it would have hung heavily on the minds of all those who knew the real story. As Davy followed clues around Fife and Scotland to try to give the bairn his name back, he comes to a startling conclusion and the story is even more personal than ever. At the graveside memorial, Davy reads a poem to the boy in the camp, the language of the Scottish travellers. And when he says the bairn's name for the first time, the wee one suddenly becomes more real and tangible less of an idea than ever, but at the same time a powerful symbol of the children who had become separated from their families at the hands of the state on ideological grounds. So why have I included this in True Crime podcasts? There are still many who will say there is no crime. However, so often in true crime and crime fiction we narrowly hold a definition of crime only being interpersonal, and forget that the apparatus of the state can participate in crime too. Of course, it is the state itself that writes and enforces the laws that we live by, and the codifying of law around the practicalities of prosecution means that sometimes actions which are legal at the time, but yet thoroughly unethical to us now, fade into history with no justice or restitution. Maybe not a crime in the sense of the statute books, but if one judges purely by the impact it has on its victims, it could be. However, the kindness of strangers, and particularly the people of Tayport, shines like a beacon through this story. We find that individuals and communities, not the state, are the ones who are able to extend kindness and compassion. There are others who, in the spirit of kindness, protected those who were forced into a Sophie's choice between burying one child and losing their others. Understanding, as so many do, that power that is wielded can often prop up assumptions that damage the individual in the whole. Here at True Crime Fiction, we certainly hope the Scottish Government will follow this guiding light and take a first step at restitution by apologising to our travellers for what they have endured. You have been listening to True Crime Fiction, the podcast that is feeding your addiction to all things crime. You can find our website at true-crime-fiction.com, on Twitter at true underscore crime underscore fic, on Facebook and Instagram as True Crime Fiction. Please rate and review on the podcast app of your choice. Music is by Kitty Kitty Meow Meow.